After Saturday's ugly overtime loss, Jimmy Butler said he had to play better, and he absolutely did that on Monday, scoring 36 points and leading the Heat to a blowout win over the Orlando Magic. I'll talk about Jimmy's big night and much more coming up next. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, the longest-running podcast covering your Miami Heat. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. And remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure you subscribe and follow to get the best coverage available. There's a lot of changes coming up over the next few days. So you'll want to stay tuned for those. Make sure you follow the show. Trust me, you're going to see a lot more of us and we're going to expand our coverage even more than you're used to already. Well, back to the game. Miami looked just plain sluggish on Saturday night in a loss to the Pacers. And so heading into Monday's game, a big question for me was what version of the team would we see? They looked sensational on Thursday's season opener against the Milwaukee Bucks, but obviously they're riding an emotional high. They were taking on a rival of sorts after the uh, unfortunate playoff sweep at the hands of the Bucks last season. But that was a new season now. Now we're looking forward to seeing what kind of team we'd be able to see moving forward. They were dynamic on Thursday, not so much on Saturday. But a big part of the difference, though, was the presence of Kyle Lowry. We got the news that Cal would be testing his ankle in a pregame warm-up with the intention of playing. This is a first for me. I don't think I've ever actually heard that before from Coach Spolstra. But luckily, he was available even back in the starting lineup. And then clearly, Lowry made his impact right away. The game was played at a much quicker pace. He was pushing the tempo, finding players in the right spots, and of course, playing his usual stellar perimeter defense. The Magic were playing on the second night of a back-to-back. They looked tired at first, and they couldn't really handle Miami's speed or physicality on defense. And remember, the Magic is a really young team, with the exception of Robin Lopez and Terrence Ross, and It showed on Monday. They just couldn't give, they couldn't handle Miami's overall physical presence. They couldn't handle some of the bruising uh, perimeter play there. They couldn't handle the defensive presence and tenacity of guys like Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and Kyle Lowry. And Markeith Morris, who had a pretty significant game as well, and I'll talk about that in the next segment. But listen, give the Magic credit. They hung around, even as the Heat had built up a 19-point lead at one point. Orlando wound up cutting the lead to six. But then either Jimmy Butler, who was absolutely fantastic on Monday, or Tyler Hero seemed to find a way to get a big bucket or a big play. And eventually, the Heat were just too good and wore down the young Orlando team, coming away with a 107-90 victory. Good game, a good bounce back, showing that Miami understands what's at stake here. They couldn't afford to take the foot off the gas. And I think this is something we're going to see much more often over the course of the season is that this team understands what's at stake and every game is important. They're playing for a higher seed in the playoffs. They're looking to continue to build some kind of consistency, some kind of chemistry, although it comes and goes and we've seen it. I don't know that it's necessarily at a point where you can just rely on it. You know, there were moments there when, when you see a very good team, even Even the version of this team with Jimmy Butler at its helm back in 2019 in the Orlando bubble, you saw moments there where that team had an impeccable chemistry. This team is not quite there yet, and understandably so. It's only game three of an 82-game season. I see enough, though, that I think 
not only once they up one they're going to achieve that chemistry at one point and once they do i think they'll be even better than that group that made it all the way to the nba finals I'm not predicting a run to the finals i'm saying that this team is going to be a better version of that there a lot has to break right for any team to advance that deeply a combination of health playing at the right time maybe facing a team that's going through some injury issues or other things of that sort but for now this team is really good and shows the potential to be even better I'm going to take a page out of the old Miami Herald playbook, going back to 2010 when I talk about Miami's new big three, just as they did about Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron James, because I think Lowry, Butler, and Bam Adebayo each had a big impact and their own story to tell. I'll start off with the biggest story, Jimmy Butler. 36 points, 11 of 13 shooting and 24 points in the first half alone, then just wound up adding it to it. A 15 of 21 overall from the field, 6 of 6 from the free throw line. Sensational night for him. Five steals. Five steals. 30 plus points and five steals. Uh, the only other player to do so in NBA, I'm sorry, Heat history is LeBron James. So pretty fantastic company there. And again, just goes to show something that I've been pretty consistent about that Jimmy Butler is as good a player as a version of LeBron James that we've seen. Maybe a little bit lighter. Look, it's not to say that they're in the same strata, but we've seen moments from Jimmy Butler where he is very LeBron-esque in his ability to control the tempo of the game. He plays defense at a high level, and today his shot was falling. He was consistent with it. He looked not just more aggressive, but also something that was missing on Saturday. He looked springy. He looked athletic. He looked like he had four dunks, I think, in the game. Uh, caught an alley-oop from Tyler Hero, finished a breakaway dunk. At one point, he was cherry-picking on defense, and he wound up getting a dunk on the other end. But those are great plays for him. I, I don't think he had four dunks all of last season, and I'll exaggerate, but this is the version of Jimmy that we have not seen. I don't know that he's ever been this healthy in Miami Heat roster. When he first came to the team, he was dealing with nagging injuries. I remember seeing him limping in the locker room before the pandemic shut down the NBA and just seeing him kind of struggle, either his wrist or his thumb or his foot or a combination of all of those things, just continuously piling up that season when he was carrying such a heavy workload, trying to find his way on this team. Tonight, he looked like a completely different version. Again, much more fluid, much more graceful, much more athletic and springy. I, I, I'm running out of accolades here. If you find anything you want to suggest to me, please do so because I, I don't know exactly what else to say about Jimmy. But 15 and 21 from the floor for 36 points, absolutely impactful, fantastic night from him. And that's what the difference is, right? On Saturday against the Pacers, without Kyle Lowry, you still got a huge game from Talahiro, 30-point outing, and it was basically wasted because nobody else was there to support him. Bam Adebayo started off well on Saturday night and then kind of petered off towards the end of the day. And then Jimmy Butler just never really had it going and made some crucial mistakes in the waning moments of the game. That wasn't the case here. Complete 180 from where he was on Saturday. Looked dominant. And hopefully this will be the case moving forward. I think we're going to see more of these nights, obviously, than we did Saturday. Which isn't to say that he's going to be free of error or free of bad nights. But I think this is going to be the, more the standard rather than the exception to the norm. Having said that, Kyle Lowry is also an incredibly impactful player. God just the best point guard that Miami Heat has had in a long time. I have long been a fan of Goran Dragic, but I have to say their style of play is completely different. And you see it with Lowry out there, not looking for his shot, not a score first guard. In fact, struggling with his shot. 
and still winding up making an incredible impact. He changes the flow of the game so consistently. From the moment he's out there, he just grabs the rebound. He's looking for an outlet pass. He's making that pass to the player that makes it to the other player that leads to an assist. It's always three steps ahead with him. And I know that sounds cliche, but the reality is watching him play is watching somebody who understands where players are going to be and just wishes everybody else could play at the same speed. The players have all talked about it. They have to make that adjustment to playing alongside and learning how to adjust to the Kyle chaos because that's the way he sees the game. He's a step ahead of everybody else, several steps in many cases, and that's why he's had such a phenomenal career. I think it's going to be a, a, a great just combination of different factors over the course of the season when he's able to get everybody to that same page. Look, he eventually developed that in Toronto. I mean, it's not like it was an immediate thing. That's the style he plays, but everybody else has to kind of figure it out. And you need to have the kind of talent around him that can adjust and make changes and thrive and find a way to find your role within the Kyle chaos. And I think when you have players as talented as Jimmy, Bam, and others on this roster you're going to wind up having a very, very fluid and consistent offense. And I think that's going to be a huge, huge, huge overlooked factor in this season is that everybody expected the defense to be great, but the offense has been phenomenal. Just fluid, just great, especially with Kyle out on the floor. And I think we'll see that much more often. Now, I also have to point out Bam Adebayo. Not an overly, overtly... Uh, impactful night from him. He started off, though, with two consistent jumpers. He started off the first play of the game, a jumper to him, swish. A second jumper, swish. Finished up four of nine from the floor, 16 points, only nine field goal attempts. And so you have to wonder the version of who we saw, the version of Bam that we saw against the Milwaukee Bucks where he was much more aggressive. Not quite there today. However, the confidence was still there, and that's a huge thing for him because that's what was missing pretty frequently for most of last season. He still attacked Orlando's bigs. He was actually able to get it to the line eight times, converted all eight of his free throw attempts. So I think the aggression is still there. I hope that people realize that even though he's not having these monster 30-point nights or 20-something point nights, a 16-point outing from him when he's this aggressive is still a very, very solid night, especially if he's able to knock down that jumper that is only going to continue to build and help build that confidence. I really believe that this is going to be a huge season for him. Even if he winds up just improving his numbers ever so slightly, he's going to be much more effective and efficient, and I think that's already shown through three games now. I'll talk a little bit more about Tyler Hero and the rest of the Miami Heat in the next segment. You're listening to Locked on Heat. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract, so stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Thanks again for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. I'm going to have a big announcement for you later on this week that's going to change the Locked on Heat podcast forever, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But now, after the big three comes the little 12, so to speak. At least that's the the catchphrase that Udonis Haslam's always given the team when the big three was formed in 2010. There was always a little 12. Not quite there just yet, but Tyler Hero 
after having a phenomenal run through the first two games of the season, kind of came down to earth a bit. Earlier in the morning, I wrote about him for Forbes Sports, and he was actually ranked eighth overall in points per game. Unfortunately, that was not quite the case on Monday night. He wound up taking a slight dip offensively just because it looked like Orlando's defense was really starting to key on him. A lot of those shots, I won't go so far as to say force, but I rewatched all those shots and maybe, maybe I could see Tyler kind of driving into traffic a little more. Credit to Orlando's defense. Again, they spoke about it pregame. They knew he was going to have a big game. Uh, the head coach of the Orlando Magic had worked with Tyler in Las Vegas when he was part of the U.S. men's select team, and he knew that Tyler was a confident player. He saw what he's been able to do through the preseason and the first two games of the regular season, and he knew he had to make Tyler a focal point of the defense. It worked. They challenged him, and yet Tyler still found a way to make an impact. He did have some big shots, but he also wound up making some incredible plays for others. And I'll talk about that a little bit later when I answer some of your listener questions in the next segment. But I also want to talk a little bit about Duncan Robinson because I am whew, I am starting to get a little bit concerned. I, I know in yesterday's podcast, I kind of railed against some of the uh, much more uh, knee-jerk reactions from the first two games of the season. Look, Miami looked incredible on Thursday in the season opener. On Saturday, not so much. And everybody was starting to get a little bit more desperate than I like. And yet, after three games, I, I'm just not sure that Duncan is feeling it right now. And I do see other growth from him in other aspects of his game, like his ability to put the floor down, making passes for others, and defensively, I think we've seen improvement, which is phenomenal. That's exactly what you'd want out of a player known specifically for his shooting. But the shooting hasn't been there. And this was another one of those nights where Tyler just didn't have it going from long range. Two of eight, 25% from three-point range, three of 10 overall from the field. Not great for one of the best shooters in the NBA. And I can't say for certain what it is. I know... He's been trying to do things a little differently in that offense, playing alongside Kyle and the Kyle Chaos. I think that's a slight part of it. I know he's kind of, he needs to be shooting on the run. He's been a little bit more standstill than I think that he's been over the past few seasons of his career. I'd have to rewatch those much more closely. Didn't have time because I wanted to make Tyler the focal point uh, of my viewing as my post game viewing uh, later on today. And yet, I uh, will have to rewatch what Duncan's doing and not doing. Now, I will also say, and I know this is kind of again vague, and you never necessarily want to play couch psychiatrist or anything like that, but the reality is that Duncan has spoken about the Wilson ball. Uh, he mentioned it on his podcast. I, Ira Winterman wrote a piece about it on Monday as well. I don't think that Duncan is using it necessarily as an excuse. In fact, he said so, that it's not necessarily such a huge difference that it's throwing him off or anything like that. But maybe there's a little something there. Maybe he just can't quite get that grip that he's used to. Be that as it may, I think the bigger problem is probably one of confidence. And I think a big part of that is the contract, the expectations that come with it. I know he's an NBA player, and I know a lot of you listening say, oh, you know, to hell with that. There's no way that an NBA player can go out there and lose confidence. But we saw this from Duncan last year, right around the trade deadline. He was struggling because his name, remember, he was shooting like 35% in March, I want to say, whenever the trade deadline was. And then after that, 
once the trade deadline passed, and he was still a member of the Heat, he went like on a 40-something percent shooting stroke from three-point range. And all of a sudden, he was just much more confident, much better. A noticeable burden had been lifted. And I think it's only realistic to think that there's something to that, too. I, I, the contract is a huge problem for a player like Duncan because he has to feel his worth. He has to feel that he is deserving of this. And I know there's a lot of expectations that come with making nearly $20 million a year. So I wonder how much of that plays an impact. He'll never say it. I don't know that I necessarily want to ask him about it and say, hey, does that kind of hang over your head? Because that's just going to make things worse. And I don't think that makes that doesn't help me. It doesn't help him. It doesn't help you listening to this show. Because if you want Duncan to play at his best, you want him to get out of his own head. And I think that's a problem. Now, I, I don't know how he's going to do that. He's going to probably have to just relax and have a big game. Hopefully he comes against the Brooklyn Nets because that's Wednesday's matchup. That's a pretty big one. And he needs to be playing at his best if they have any kind of chance of knocking off Kevin Durant and the rest of the Brooklyn Nets. But let me talk a little bit about Bar- Marky Morris because he had his best night as a Heat player, making a strong case for himself to get more playing time. Finished with 16 points off 7, uh, 7 of 11 shooting. Uh, just one of four from three-point range, but overall, a pretty solid shooting night from him. Had the mid-range jumper going, looked smooth out there, looked confident, and he also looked a little aggressive, too, because he had words with former Michigan player Mo Wagner, a teammate of Duncan Robinson's uh, with the University of Michigan. Of course, Wagner playing with his younger brother, uh, also uh, on the on the Orlando Magic, so you have both uh, Wagner brothers, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, but they're both on the Orlando Magic. Mo, the elder one, the one who had at one point been able to jaw so badly at Duncan Robinson that he forced him to pick up a technical. I think his only technical in the NBA, one of two perhaps. Either way, uh, Wagner got into it a little bit with Markeith Morris. Markeith had some words there. And it's just kind of fun to see that, right? That's the edge. I know a huge moment from last season was Udonis getting into Dwight Howard's face. This isn't quite as dramatic, nor is it quite as fun. But it is enjoyable to see players that, in Marquise's words, don't take no bullshit. Uh, that's always great to see. You'll always want that kind of defensive tenacity, that identity, that toughness. And this team certainly has it. And I think Marquise is making a strong case for himself. He played 25 minutes on Monday night. So P.J. Tucker only played 21. Van played 29. Both of them less than 30 minutes on game. Uh, Dwayne Dedman also wound up playing uh, 17 minutes. So... The rotation shaking out differently because I think Miami had a pretty sizable lead. And then towards the fourth quarter, they were blowing the doors open pretty widely. Maybe that won't be the case moving forward. But always good to have a player that you can count on, especially if his offense is as dialed up as Morris's was on Monday night. So that was a solid outing for him. And perhaps we'll see more of that moving forward. I don't know there was anything necessarily different. He might be getting into more regular season playing shape. He did look a little out of shape to start off the season and and preseason. Maybe he's finally getting into a rhythm. And it happens with older players too. And hopefully it will with Cal Lowry because we need he needs to be able to step up as a scorer. And I think that's one thing that I didn't mention when I was talking about Lowry in the first segment is that as good as he's been as a playmaker and as impactful as he's been, You can't just rely on that aspect. He has to be able to step up offensively at some point. He's giving up way too many easy looks at the basket, three-point shots that he should be able to knock down. And I don't think there's any issue with health. I I don't think that that would necessarily impact his shooting or anything like that. But he just hasn't been able to make an impact as a scorer 
Luckily, he's been able to impact nearly every other aspect of Miami's offensive and defensive presence. So that's always a positive, but he's going to have to step it up, and maybe he'll be able to do that at some point later on the season once his timing changes or his role or he understands his impact a little bit more. I don't know. I really don't know. That's all we can possibly hope for. Now, I'll answer some listener questions in the next segment. You're listening to Locked on Heat. We're back and better than ever, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts, and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. Look, there's probably a good chance that you've needed car parts at some point. You go into a, a typical chain store, they ask you questions. You're not sure exactly what you want. Finally, they order something. Maybe it's the right part you're looking for. You always feel like you're paying too much for it. I know how that feeling goes. But let me tell you, there's a solution. A family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years, that's rockauto.com. You've got access to computers on your phone or at home, which means you've got access to rockauto.com and their easy-to-use website. All the same prices are for everybody, no matter if you're a mechanic or a do-it-yourselfer. And their easy-to-use website means that you're just a few clicks away from getting the parts that you need for your car or truck. You can find everything you need over at rockauto.com. And once you find all the parts that you're looking for, go to the section that says, how'd you hear about us? And write the phrase, locked on, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag Heat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. You're certainly going to want to do that. With all the changes that we've got coming up down this uh, on the podcast, you're going to want to be a part of this moving forward. So make sure that you follow the show. And of course, always leave a review. You can always reach out to me via email. Whether there's questions about the show, comments, or anything like that, a number of you do so on a regular basis. I love it. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for always taking the time to listen. Our first question comes in from Jordan. He reached out via email and he asked, which Tyler Hero is the real Tyler Hero? Tonight, Tyler had nine assists, 14 points against Indy. He had zero assists and 30 points. The only consistent stat appears to be the rebounding. What do you think we should expect for the rest of the regular season? Great question. No clear answer. I think the right answer is actually somewhere in between. A player who is capable of looking for his own score, he's looking for his own shot, he can get his buckets, and if that bucket isn't falling, then he can still make place for others. This is an evolution of Tyler Hero, one that I think Heat fans should be welcoming because he made passes on Monday night that I don't think he's made at any point throughout his NBA career. Maybe in high school, but I don't know that that's necessarily a strength of his game. I don't think it was viewed as a strength when he was drafted by Miami, and we certainly didn't see it much in his play. He was forcing that role last season. And he didn't exactly live up to those expectations because he was a starter. He was kind of thrust into the starting point guard role. He wasn't quite fit for that position, and it backfired. We saw him handle the ball on Monday night in a way that I don't think we've seen prior to that. 
Like he he was looking for his shot. He was trying to find his space. He was forcing it a little bit early on and then, you know, kind of driving into the traffic. And again, Orlando made stopping Tyler a priority so they could claw their way back in the game. For a short while it worked, but then Tyler kind of recognized it. He read the defense. He understood that there was a different gear he could hit there. I talked about this last year with Kendrick Nunn. Now, I know that's going back a ways, and I know nobody really cares about Kendrick Nunn at this point in time. But we saw moments from him last year where he was finally starting to make that evolution from uh, looking for, to looking to score first, second, and last uh, on always. Tyler is somewhere along those lines too. I think he's much more. I think he's a little bit more adept as a playmaker, even though he is as always going to be a score first mentality. I think, but I think we started to see a little bit more of the evolution from him, similar to what we saw from Nunn last year, and and some of those passes were really, really fantastic. I mean, just a no-look pass to a cutting Markeith Morris underneath the basket, finding Jimmy for a wide-open alley-oop. Another time when Jimmy had sealed off, I think against, I don't know, Cole Anthony, maybe Jalen Suggs, I can't recall exactly who he had. He had a wide-open lane to the basket, and he was just able to float a perfect pass in there that Jimmy was able to take for the easy dunk. Great looks from Tyler. Looking ahead, and maybe it's kind of playing alongside Kyle. I know he's probably spoken about it before, that he's going to become an influence on him, and hopefully that's the case as a passer and playmaker because he's starting to reach another level of his evolution, and I think that's fantastic. As far as Jordan's question about which version we'll see, I don't know that we're going to see one or the other. I think we're going to see moments where Tyler the scorer and Tyler, the creator, is able to go out there and make plays for others. And that's a good thing. That gives that kind of dynamic versatility that throws defenses off guards. Because if he's driving the lane, you have to respect that shot. You can't just leave him wide open. You know, Orlando was double teaming and triple teaming. They had Robin Lopez's seven-foot body out there and drop coverage that you know blocked off the, the paint form, similar to what we saw from Brooke Lopez with the Milwaukee Bucks last year. And I think that kind of threw Tyler off a little bit because he saw this big body kind of reaching his eight, nine foot reach over Tyler and, and you know, impacting his shot that way. Not to mention that he always had a Cole Anthony or Jalen Suggs on his hip to kind of throw him off as well. So I think the fact is that he was able to recognize what the defense was doing and he was still able to shift and try to find his shot when it was available, knock it down if he could. And some of those were pretty good looks, just you know, again, hastened by the defense, and he just wasn't falling. They just weren't falling. But he was able to make plays for others, find cutters, find Jimmy, keep his eyes up and looking ahead, something that we haven't seen from him. Again, I think an influence of Cal Lowry's that uh, should be explored further. This next question comes in from Doja Cal, I think. I want to say that's what the, the Twitter name. I'm sorry if I forgot right now. It's late and I'm very, very tired. Uh, it looks like we've got a solid nine-man rotation. When Victor Oladipo comes back, do you think we're going to a 10-man rotation or that someone is losing a spot? It's it's way too early to tell because obviously we have no idea what version of Victor we're going to get. Let's assume that we're getting the good version, the version where he's going to be healthy and creating plays and driving to the rim and still collapsing defenses and things of that sort. And if that's the case, I think we have a solid nine-man rotation if, you, uh, if, I mean, if you're counting Victor Oladipo. And I think the obvious choice to miss some playing time is Gabe Vincent. Now, if, Gabe, if, if Kyle Lowry is hurt or if Tyler gets hurt, 
then Gabe continues to be a part of that rotation because he is a ball handler, because he can make plays for others, because he can do the little things he does. It's not fair. I, I know a lot of people have been dragging Vincent's name through the mud over the last couple of days. I know a lot of people are open to uh, bringing up Brendan Knight from the Sioux Falls Sky Force or adding John Wall or something else. Look, I, it's tough because I, I think that they still believe in Vincent. I've said it before. I've said it a number of times. While he does struggle to do anything particularly well, I think he also is capable of doing a number of things well. He's a good shooter, a good defender, a point attack defender. He's limited, no doubt about it. But I think the potential is there, and that's why he's still a part of this team moving forward. But he is the most likely choice to to lose a spot in the rotation. If Victor Oladipo comes back at near full strength or at least at an impactful level, he's going to get the playing time over Vincent, and that's pretty clear because, well, Mark, you know, Victor is a very, very good player. Victor at 80% is better than the version of Gabe Vincent that we're getting right now, which isn't to say that Vincent can't continue to make strides over the course of the season. This is year three for him, and I know he kind of brought he was brought on right before the pandemic shut down the season in 2020, but he spent that time in the Orlando bubble. He spent all of last season. It's time for him to kind of take that next gear or else he's going to wind up finding himself likely out of the league, unfortunately. Uh, just a reminder that you can always reach me via email. Oh, I'm sorry. Before I go into that, just another reminder uh, that you can uh, look forward to some big games over the next few days because Miami goes into Brooklyn on Wednesday and then back at home on Friday for a matchup against the Charlotte Hornets. I will be at that game. That should be a really good one. On Saturday, they'll travel to Memphis. That will be a very, very tough one because John Morant is playing at an incredible level. And on the second night of a back-to-back, nobody wants to do that. I know that's always been a tough grind for Miami, no pun intended, to be able to go to Memphis and take on those teams when they were well, much more well-known for their defense acumen. I don't think that's the case this year, although they've got a big body in Steven Adams. To see how Bam Adebayo matches up with uh, you know a player like Adams, this new version of Bam, I'm very, very curious to see if it's something he can continue to do consistently. But that's just a, a look ahead for the rest of the week. I'll try to have shows uh, on Tuesday and also on Wednesday following the Brooklyn Nets game. And then... We'll see how we play out the rest of the week. Uh, I do also want to recap Friday and Saturday's game, but I'll likely do that on Sunday. We'll see how it shapes up, and I will provide updates as soon as I have them. But just, again, a reminder to always reach out to me via email. Uh, Thank you so much to all of our sponsors for supporting today's episode, and thanks to all of you for, once again, making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. This is David Ramil signing off for now.